As you know, last week we started a, a new series uh, for the new year called Better Together. And last week we talked about how different parts of our body, our hands, our, our, our feet, all of the parts of our, our body, uh, the Lord compares those things. And uh, he says, they're all different, they're all vital, but they all work together to make us who we are. And he likened those to individuals in the church, how we are, we're different parts of the body, we're all unique, we've all been created differently, and uh, how when we, when we work together, it all makes up the body of Christ, the, the big C, the church. And so I asked you the, the question last week, do you belong? Do you belong? Do you belong to uh, the body? Do you belong to the family of God? And the answer, if you've, if you've trusted Christ to be your Savior, is, is yes, Jesus has made a way for you to be part of God's family, the big C church. And um, you are a vital piece. And when every single one of us, we unwrap our gifts, we unwrap our uniqueness and and, and the way God made us, and when we get in the game, we're all better for it. We're better together. Well, today, uh, I want to talk about how that body's supposed to grow, how, how we grow individually, but also how we are designed to grow together. And in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 19 and 20, uh, one of the most familiar passages of Scripture, and the, the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven, he said this, he said, there, go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, the goal of any church, okay, according to Jesus, the goal of, of, of whether it's the Big C Church or, or the Little C Church, Westridge Church, the goal of this church, okay, is to make disciples. That's it. What is a disciple? Well, here at Westridge, we call it a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to, we're leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, in order to become a disciple, okay, which, is, which should be our goal, is to be on this journey to become a fully devoted follower. In order to be a disciple, you have to grow. You have to grow spiritually, okay? What is spiritual growth? Well, let me give you a couple little definitions. One, spiritual growth is moving from being a new believer to full maturity in your walk with Christ. Okay, that's very academic. Another, it isn't about changing the person God created you uniquely to be, but instead developing you into a true version of yourself. I like that. And then one of my favorite authors, John Ortberg, he says, when you grow spiritually, you become more you. You become more that person God had in mind when he first thought you up. Isn't that cool? Now, the question I want to ask you before we jump in here today is, how are you growing? How's it going? How, how are you growing? How, how are you growing right now? How would, you, how would you rate your spiritual growth over this past year? As you look back over 2017 and even the last few weeks of 2018, how are you growing? Would you say that you're closer to the Lord, that you're making progress? And how's that going right now? Well, here's the deal. I have good news. If you're not growing, you're stuck you're stagnant right now. You don't know how to move forward. The good news is today's a new day. And if you're not growing or if your growth's been stalled or you haven't even started to grow, I want you to know that today you can start. You can start today. Now, what do we need to understand about spiritual growth? Because before I even tell you how to do it, I think I need to make a case for it. Okay? What, what do we need to understand? Well, first of all, spiritual growth begins at the moment you receive 
God's gift of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, the apostle Paul, he is writing to this church at Corinth and he's saying, listen, you used to be stuck in sin. You used to do all of these things that were so, so different than how God created you to be. And he says, some of you were once like that, but he says, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of God. This is a really cool thought. Once, once you were considered lost, once you were considered guilty, once we were all doomed, we were helpless. But at the very moment that we say yes, that we receive God's free gift of salvation into our lives, we were changed from the inside out. You became a new person, okay? The old became new. You were cleansed of your guilt. You were washed and forgiven of your sin. God, God took, God washed the word condemned off of your past. He washed the word guilty off of your present. He washed the word doomed off of your future. By believing on Jesus Christ as God's son, God brought you into his family and he set you apart to be his child. To, to quote this new song we just, we just sang a moment ago, who can fathom? We've gone from orphans to adopted, slaves to free, from death to life, from bondage to redeemed. That's what's happened for you. At the very moment, that very moment, you trust Christ to be your Savior. Spiritual growth begins at the moment you receive salvation into your life. The second thing we need to understand is that God is the architect of spiritual growth. God has a design to help us grow. It involves what we do on our own. It involves other people. It involves God. It involves our circumstances. And it involves the church. All five of those things are vital to spiritual growth. Now, here's the cool thing. The cool thing about our pursuit to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ is that God gets personally involved in our spiritual growth journey. Matter of fact, the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit all play a role in helping us to grow. What what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what the Father's doing. God the Father, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. According to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, and you write these verses down, it's good stuff. God the Father has given us everything that we need according to help, uh, to, to help us grow and to, and to do his will. In other words, God has a plan for your spiritual growth. He's the architect, he's the designer. And those verses tell us that he has given us the desire to grow and he's giving us the tools we need to make it happen as we do our part Okay, we take steps towards him. He promises to do his part. And then Jesus, the son, Jesus says in in John chapter 15, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me. Jesus says, you can do nothing. Now, this is awesome. Jesus invites us to hang out with him. He says, hang out with me, remain in me, abide in me, spend time with me, invite me into every moment of your life. And he says, and I'll produce spiritual fruit in your life. I'll produce spiritual growth in your life. But he says, but without me, he says, that's not going to happen. You can do nothing. So how do we hang out with Jesus? We, just by being in his presence, by saying, Lord, I want to be in your presence for just a moment here. I want to get in, by getting in his word. That's God talking to us by prayer, by allowing yourself to be filled with the Spirit, by just this moment, of, you know, we're just worshiping with this new song and the songs we did before that. We're, we're, we're spending time in the Lord's presence right now. And then the Holy Spirit gets involved. Listen, at the moment of your salvation experience, you, the Bible says, you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves into your life with this amazing promise to live and work inside of you. John 14, 26 says, but the helper... 
the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God the Father promises that very moment that you come to Christ to send a helper into your life. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Now, what is he helping? What is he helping me to do? Well, he is teaching you what God wants you to know about his word. He's teaching you God's plan for your life and he's empowering you to live it out. Now, how do I get this? How do I get this Holy Spirit to do that? How do I get him to be my helper? Well, I've said this before to you and I just want to throw this to you again. Dependence and surrender. Total dependence and total surrender. Total dependence on him in every area of your life. All right? And total surrender to God's will for your life. Total dependence. Lord, I need you every moment. I empty me of me. I fill my life with you. Lord, I surrender to you. I cannot do this on my own. You, Lord, I want your will for my life more than anything else. See, when those two things, when you do that, you'll engage and empower the Holy Spirit in your life. Spiritual growth is, it, is an expression and a response to the life of the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And as we are filled by the Spirit, we are led by the Spirit, and we choose every day to walk in the Spirit, here's what we do. We set ourselves up to be conquerors over whatever life throws at us. The most powerful force that the world has ever known, that mankind has ever known, lives inside of you, helping you to grow spiritually. I know many of you over the last several years, you've seen these Avenger movies that have come out. Listen, the Avengers, I mean, the Avengers, you had, you had Thor, you had Captain America, you got the Hulk, you got Iron Man, you got Black Widow, you got Hawkeye, you got all, I mean, there's probably more. What are they doing? They're all fighting together to fight crime. And all of those superheroes with superpowers, they come together to form this crazy powerful alliance. When they're working together, what happens? We find out not only are they good by themselves, but they're better together and they're powerful together. But listen, they don't have anything on the Trinity. They don't have anything on God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the great three in one. And the beautiful things, the thing is, you have all three of them working inside of you on your behalf every single day, not to fight crime, but to help you fight sin. Not to burden you, but to empower you to be an overcomer in your life, to help you make it through your trials and temptations and struggles and suffering and grief and pain and heartaches and addictions. Not to make you look more powerful, but to make Jesus look more powerful. They are giving you the ability to live out God's plan and purpose for your life. They are helping you to do powerful, mighty things on God's behalf. God is the architect. He's not just the designer of spiritual growth, but he gets personally involved in it. Here's another thing we need to understand. Spiritual growth is a lifetime journey. Paul says in Philippians 1, 6, he says, and I'm sure of this, that he who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, let me let some of you down easily for a moment here, okay? None of you have arrived spiritually. That means you haven't arrived. That means I haven't arrived. Now, from time to time, I'll meet someone who, who thinks or at least they act like they've arrived spiritually. They've, they've read a book by someone with a new idea or they feel like they've discovered some secret to the spiritual life that has been hidden from everyone else for generations and has now been revealed solely to them, all right? And that's just a little bit of ignorance and arrogance, okay? Can I tell you something? My view of the church, my view of, of Christianity, my view of Christ, my view of the spiritual life at 52 
is so much different than when I started ministry at the age of 23. I mean, I, I feel like the more I learn, the less I know. It's crazy. It's like, it's like how, I, I go, how did I get so stupid? Because when I was younger, I used to be so smart, right? Spiritual growth, it's, it, it's a lifetime journey. It's a lifetime journey. And here's, here's what happens over that lifetime as you continue to pursue God as the, as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit get engaged. The longer you walk with Christ, you know you're growing when the more humble you become. Life becomes less about you and more about others. You will grow in knowledge, but you'll also grow in grace. You will become less judgmental towards people that are different than you. You will grow to hurt with people that are hurting. When you're growing spiritually, you'll begin to care about about the poor and the less fortunate because you realize that as central to the gospel, you will have less tolerance for the sin in your own life and be more compassionate towards the struggles of others. You will become more loving towards, towards people that don't look and act like you. You'll become more generous. You're not holding on any longer tight-fisted to your resources, but you realize that they're gods and gods in the first place, so you want to get them into play. You'll begin to have more peace and joy in your life, and you will have a growing burden in the heart to see lost people find a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, when, when that's happening... When that's happening, you're growing more and more like Jesus every day. That's the goal, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You're becoming a disciple, a fully devoted follower. You're growing spiritually, and that process should never stop. It never stops until either you die or Jesus comes back. And then, another thing, spiritual growth is is better together. If you've ever studied the one another's of Scripture, you know that there are 59 times in the New Testament alone where we are commanded to do something for one another, okay? For example, we're told to love one another, we're called to serve one another, we're told to have concern for one another, we're told to restore one another, to encourage one another, to comfort one another, we're told to have fellowship with one another, we're told to offer hospitality to one another. I I won't go into all 59, but you get the point, right? Right? You cannot do those things in isolation. You cannot do those things apart from being part of a community of believers. Listen, I've been part of football teams. I've been part of baseball teams, wrestling teams, coaching teams. I was in the high school band, social clubs. I've made great friendships. But those things only go so far. The connectedness is only so deep. The fellowship only goes so deep. But when a group of of people who are part of God's family come together in the name of Jesus and then they follow Christ together. Listen, it's amazing what can happen. Walls are broken down. People's emotional and spiritual needs are met. I mean, the, the one another's begin to take place. God puts a huge value on, on meeting together, worshiping together, working together, side by side, doing life together. You know, over the years, I've, I've heard a lot of chatter not just in this church, but outside this church, social media, different places of individuals who say uh, they don't need the church. And I get it. Most of the time when they say that, it's because they've been hurt by the church in the past. But here's what we need to remember. The church is God's idea. And he created it. And he, and he commands us not to forsake coming together. And I know, listen, I know the church, the big C church the little C church, I mean, it's messy. It's, it's imperfect because it's full of imperfect people led by imperfect leaders. And so no matter what church you attend, and if you're a guest here today and you're looking for a church, I promise you, whatever church you're looking for or whatever church you land at, it's going to have its flaws. 
But I want to tell you this. When, when imperfect people come together for God's glory and we put our own glory aside and we're seeking after Jesus and the focus is all on him, the spotlight's all on him and we're seeking after him and worshiping him, I want you to know communities can be transformed. Countries, places like Burkina Faso, Africa, they can be deeply impacted. Churches begin to be planted all over the community, all over the world, the poor get helped, marriages become healed, and the lost can be rescued. See, we can do powerful things in the name of Jesus when when we're focused because we're better together. But we also need to understand, listen, you cannot live out the one another's, the commands, the, the one another's, when you're not in community with other believers. You can't. And we also need to remember that Jesus did life with others. He, he was in community with other believers. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. The Bible says Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. It says he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. And the story goes on and on until Jesus gets 12. Now what's he doing? What's he doing? He's putting together a small group, okay? He's putting together a home team, a journey group, a small group, a group. Whatever time you came into Westridge over the last 20 years, that's what you call your group, Okay. I have two groups we're part of. One's our home team, one's our journey group, okay? The creator of the universe saw the importance of doing life and growing with other people. He's making a huge case for the importance of community. He called, he called a group of people and he said, hey, come follow me. And then he modeled for us that growing in faith is a group activity. He actually knew and he, and he modeled for us that it's better when we grow together. Listen, if you see Christianity as nothing more than an individual pursuit, then you've missed how God has designed you to grow. This is not a solo journey. We weren't created to grow in isolation. Now, before I tell you how to grow and focus there for a moment, I want to just mention a few roadblocks to spiritual growth for a moment, okay? And the first one is just real easy. It's sin, okay? Nothing will halt your spiritual growth quicker than sin, And here's the thing, if you're stuck in sin today, if your spiritual growth has been halted, God offers you grace. I don't care what sin it is, I don't care where you're stuck, I don't care how bad you think it is, God's grace is greater than your sin. And there's this amazing word, repentance. And it literally means to change your mind. And if you will come to the place where you just say, Lord, three powerful words, I am sorry, I am sorry for this sin, and you confess it to him. God says, I'm faithful. You can trust me. I will forgive you. And I want to encourage you. I mean, right now, just put that in front of him. Put it at the foot of the cross. Let let his blood wash over it. And repent of your sin and walk out of here. And at that very moment that you do that, God says, okay, let's roll. Let's, Let's start moving again. All right? Let's start growing again. Here's another thing that challenges, that challenges a roadblock to our spiritual growth. It's just simply our busy lifestyles. It's not that we don't value spiritual growth. We're just too busy to fit it into our schedules. Another one's our culture. We live in this culture that has literally duped us into believing that, that it's normal to be spiritually apathetic. Apathy and indifference that literally have become the standard of the day. But here's the deal. According to the Bible, full devotion to Christ is what's normal for a believer. When you see these first century Christians in the Bible, and even those that weren't mentioned in the Bible, when you see them following Jesus, they're literally 
putting their lives at stake. They're throwing everything aside to follow after him. That means according to the Bible, conforming to apathy is not normal and it's not acceptable in God's eyes. See, we we actually miss God's plan for our lives when we settle for what the world has to offer as a plan for our lives. And then another roadblock is just simply our lack of understanding about spiritual growth. Listen, spiritual growth is not about checking, not, not about keeping a checklist. Spiritual growth is not about being good. Spiritual growth is not about how much knowledge you have. The Bible says all that does without love is just make us arrogant and pompous. Spiritual growth is about life change. You, you, you judge your spiritual growth by, is my, life, is my life being conformed to the image of Jesus? Am I becoming more and more like him every day? Are you experiencing true life change? Are you becoming more like Jesus? Do you, do you love people more unselfishly than you did last year? Are you handling your trials and your difficulties better than you did before? Are you caring more about helping hurting people? Is your faith becoming greater than your doubts and your fears? Are you trusting God with with some of the tough issues in your life, like your finances and your marriage and raising kids and your singleness or whatever that looks like? Are, Are you trusting him more with those things? Are you making decisions based on God's word rather than feelings and emotions? Are you you developing a desire to serve others more than to be served? Have you really learned to receive the love of God and let that love pour out onto other people and to let it impact their lives? We talked about this at Christmas. Are you letting God, okay, fill your bucket? Remember those little red Solo cups at Christmas? Are you letting God fill your bucket rather than walking around with your bucket extended wanting other people to fill you? Are you operating from fullness instead of for fullness? Is your life moving to a place where where you want to invest in others and watch them grow spiritually? See, here's the goal. The goal is we we want to to become disciples who make disciples. That's the deal. That's what Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that's what it's all about. Becoming disciples who then help make other disciples. Now, how do you grow spiritually? What does that look like? Well, I came up with six things that all start with P, okay? And I did that hopefully so you'll remember them and I had to get really creative to pull it off. So first of all, it's just personal responsibility. And I want you to write down the word ourselves, okay? Hebrews 6.1 says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again and again and again. Okay? This is an individual. This is written to an individual. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is literally calling us out individually and saying it's time to grow. It's time to mature. It's time to leave the basics behind and move on to a deeper understanding of our faith. In other words, we're called to feed ourselves. We're called to feed ourselves and not just the basics. Now, this is clear. Every single one of us in this room have to get to the place in our lives where we take personal responsibility for our own spiritual growth. We need to become self-feeders. And here's one of the biggest ways you can know that you're really growing, growing spiritually. Are you able to feed yourself? I mean, when my boys were little, when we went to a restaurant, we would, we would feed them. When they were little tiny guys, infants, okay, we would feed them until they got to the point and they did this where they grabbed the fork or spoon out of our hand and said, I can handle this, Okay. Wouldn't it be crazy if we walked into a restaurant today, Taylor and Zach, 1922, and said, hey, guys, okay, here's the bib. Here's the fork, the spoon. Open up wide. I mean, doing the airplane thing, you know, like we do, you know. That's what some of us do spiritually, all right? 
listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to do my best to give you something to chew on for the rest of the week, okay? But you have to do your part because here's the deal. A lot of you are going to forget, most of you statistically, you're going to forget what I've said by Wednesday morning. Now, that breaks my heart. You, don't have no, you have no idea how many hours I pour into this knowing that you're going to forget most of it by Wednesday, okay? There's a lot of people, they're, they're not making it to church every Sunday, okay? Sometimes you just can't. Some Sundays, you may not connect with what's being taught because you stayed up too late watching Saturday Night Live or maybe you got in a fight with your family on the way to church and you're just thinking about them right now or, or your mind's drifting or someone around you is distracting. Someone keeps getting up and going and getting coffee or going to the bathroom or whatever's happening, okay? It, it happens. If, you're spiritually, if, if your spiritual growth is totally and completely reliant on this moment, this, these 35 minutes each Sunday, all right, then, then you're not understanding what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You're missing out on what God wants for you the other six days of the week. All of us, every one of us, should be growing to the place where we can spiritually feed ourselves every day and then take that growth and invest it in others. We need to learn to read the Bible on our own, to have a prayer list and make that thing that we, we work that prayer list and we get connected with other people. Now, one of the main places, if you're a parent here today or you're a grandparent, one of the main places that we need to be investing is our family. We invest in ourselves, but listen, we invest in our family. Listen, mom and dad, you, you might have your kids and you might have your kids in at church every Sunday. They may be coming Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whatever that looks like. You may have them in the best Christian school in the area, but it is your responsibility to make sure they're growing spiritually. It's your responsibility. Make it your goal to grow together as a family. Now, this is, I'm going to go off my notes for a moment, okay? There's so many, Amy and I are at this place in life where we are, we are empty nesters, okay? We thought we were empty nesters, and then one of them came back, and now he's gone again, so we're in and out, in and out, probably be like that for a while. As we look back on so many folks that we did, you know, sat in bleachers with, kids I coached, I mean, all, this whole journey, it just, it, it saddens me deeply to see so many students who, who we, we've almost sacrificed their spiritual growth on the altar of this lesson, that lesson, this sport, this activity, whatever. And then they get into college and they run into that, that professor whose goal is to derail your kid. To, to take everything that they learn spiritually and just derail it. And we, we, and we sacrifice, we sacrifice what should be the number one goal of our parent, parenting, which is, should be to help our kids to grow spiritually. We sacrifice it on all these things that the world has to offer. And they may get a scholarship, they may, they, they may you know, be really good, or, you know, all the lessons may pay off. But they're not walking with Jesus at the end. And then that marriage because we've invested so much of our lives into our kids and we lose ourselves, the communication stops, the, the intimacy stops, the, the growing together as a couple, we lose that because we pour everything into our kids, their sports, their lessons, whatever it is, their activities, and then the kids go off to college and they're struggling and we look at each other. You look at your wife, you look at your husband, and you go, what's left? We didn't focus on sp growing spiritually together. We focused on them we didn't focus on them growing spiritually, so they're struggling, and now we have nothing left. And it saddens me because so many couples, 
that we've done life with who are on the same stage of life. They're getting divorced. There's a fair, I mean, it's all kinds of stuff. And my heart to yours, and I hope that you, if you're sitting here today, you're a young couple with kids and you're going, listen, we did the travel ball thing. Okay, my boys are into baseball. We did that. There were moments, there's Sundays where Amy wasn't here, okay? But we drew the line and we said, we will not sacrifice the spiritual growth of our kids and walking with Jesus for sports and travel this or that or this lesson or this activity. And listen, if you are right on the line of doing that or you find, I hope that you'll remember this moment where you were sitting and I, I, I hope that you'll pull back and make some other decisions, okay? Seriously, your goal your biggest priority as a parent is to invest in your kids' spiritual lives so they grow up to love Jesus, to love God, to depend on him, to walk out of your house being prepared to face the world spiritually, okay? All right, that's my little tangent. Second thing, personal responsibility, okay. It's just practical teaching. I remember... Back in, in the late 80s, early 90s, I, I, sitting in a seminary in Hatfield, Pennsylvania, listening to my classmates discuss the Bible. And I, I'll tell you, I, I used to feel so intimidated by some of the conversations because it was so deep and very intellectual. And I remember thinking, you know what? I, I hardly understand all this talk and nobody outside of this room is going to understand this. And since at the same time I was a student pastor over the river in New Jersey, I began to think, how can I take this deep intellectual truth that we're talking about here today, these big words, okay, how can I make them so simple that a middle schooler or a high school schooler could not just understand it, but they could actually apply it to their lives and live it out the next day at school? See, that's what Jesus did. With his own teaching, he used word pictures, he used stories, he used objects, he used parables. Just think if you walked around with a bunch of big Bible words and intellectual ideals, but you didn't know how to apply them to your life. The Bible actually addresses it. It says you would become puffed up with knowledge and you become arrogant. The Wall Street Journal, the New York Times are written at a high school level. USA Today is written at a seventh to ninth grade level. Why? Because the average person understands and applies at that level. So every person that comes up on this stage to teach, to preach, here's what we try to do. We try to take a deep truth and make it so practical and so relevant that anyone could apply it tomorrow morning. Now, again, you may be visiting this church. Some of you may have been here for 20 years or so. But listen, you know on Sunday mornings we mix it up throughout the year. We do book studies. We do character studies. We'll do a topical study like this one last year through February, all the way through the end of December. We, 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 every week it was on the life and teaching of Jesus. I love that series, by the way. In February, we're, gonna, we're getting ready. In, in a few weeks, we're going to tackle the exodus out of the Old Testament. I'm pumped about that. But two years ago, we did a series called The Elephant in the Church, and we, we tackled some tough topics like, like homosexuality and racism. We stu- we've studied over the last 20 years books like Joshua and Proverbs and Psalms and Ephesians twice, Philippians, Acts, Galatians, Colossians, 1 Corinthians, and others. We've studied the life of David, the life of Paul, Old Testament Joseph, Joseph, Moses, Elijah. We even tackled the judges, among many others. Here's what I love to do. I personally love taking a passage and working through it and ending with personal application. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to mix it up but we're going to continue to teach the Bible in a way that helps you to see how this book up here, this book that you have in your lap is, is irrelevant every single day. And hopefully, 
It will encourage you to want to dig into this book further on your own. I'm called, you're called to make disciples. I'm called to teach God's word. I'm, I'm shepherding a flock. My role is to help you grow spiritually. But here's the challenge, okay? Every single Sunday, this room is filled with all different ages. It's filled with newbies all the way to those who could be classified as scholars. I'm teaching to a room with a huge range of Bible knowledge. And it's challenging. That's why we're called to feed ourselves. That's why we're called to take personal responsibility for our spiritual growth. And that's why we're called to be in community with one another. So we can take, so together, we can, we can take the teaching on Sunday morning and break it down and talk through it further. We can grow spiritually by, by learning what each other is learning and, and getting out of what is being said. Okay, practical teaching. Number three, pivotal circumstances. You grow by the tough things you go through. James, two, James 1, 2 and 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. We grow from our trials. We grow from the challenges, the pain, the hurts, the heartaches, because that's when we learn to depend upon Jesus. That's when God strengthens us. He deepens us. We learn to depend upon each other as well during times like that. And then number four, private disciplines. Getting into Bible reading, prayer, your prayer life, journaling, solitude, fasting, the disciplines of the spiritual life. Number five, personal ministry. We grow from serving one another, from using our spiritual gifts, from letting God use us, use those, those unique things God's give us as a, as a vital part of the body of Christ, the church. And then finally, and this is where I stretched a bit, providential relationships. Those one-on-one -on -one discipleship moments. And for some of you, I know you're in a one-on-one -on -one discipleship relationship with someone else, an older man, an older woman who's, who's discipling you, pouring their life into you. But also Bible studies. And here at Westridge, we have men's studies, women's studies, studies for older singles, studies for young adults, students, kids, recovery group studies, support groups. Wherever you are in life, we've tried to develop a, a group that you can get involved in, all right? And then finally, just groups, okay? And again, you know, you, you may call your group a home team, a journey group, a small group, a group. You say, what's going on there? Well, we changed the name three times over the last 20 and a half years. But here's the deal. This church is large. I know that, okay? But getting involved in a group will make it feel smaller to you, okay? And, and I know, you know, some of you are scared to death to get into a group. You say, what's, what's going to happen if I go to a group? People are going to care for you. They're going to celebrate Okay, the highs of life, and they're going to be with you as you go through the valleys. Okay, you're going to share life together. You're not just going to share knowledge and share scripture, and that's a huge part of it. Hopefully, you'll grow that way. But you're going to share life together. But you're also going to pray with people. It's going to be prayer. And you need, every one of us, we need people praying with us, praying for us. You're going to make friendships. There's going to be community. It's going to be hopefully some authentic love. The one another's, the 59 things I talked about earlier, those, there's, I can't think of a better place than a circle, okay? I think circles are better than rows. Then circle, the one another's take place there so well. So over the next several weeks, we're gonna try to make this as simple as we possibly can for you to provide an on-ramp that hopefully no one can miss. Steve's gonna come up in just a moment. We're gonna talk about group launch. But another thing that I'm really excited about 
is over this past year, uh, my guy Paul Richardson has been rewriting all of this material that we've used for 20 years. Now, if you've come, uh, if you're a member of the church, you've had to go through a membership class and you know that we've called it like Discovery 1, 2, 3, 4, these different classes. Um, and we've rewritten a lot of this stuff. And here's the purpose. We're calling it Next Steps. The purpose is this. We want to reorient you with where Westridge Church is 20 years later. But we want to help to walk you through a process to give you an individual growth plan. To look at your uniqueness, to look at how God created you, your gifts, your talents, okay, how you're shaped, your experiences, all of those things. And when you walk out of that whole next step process, which is going to begin in, begin in February, in your hands you're going to have a personalized growth plan for your life, for your journey of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I know some of you, you're scared to death of all of that stuff. You're scared to death to jump into a group. I read this quote by one of my favorite authors, Bob Goff, this past week. He says, listen, if we only do what we're familiar with, we might miss out on what we've been made for. If we only do what we're familiar with, we might miss out on what we've been made for. We were made to do life together. We, we were made to grow spiritually together. We were, we were created for community. And I believe with all my heart, from everything I just said, that we're better together. We're better together. And so I want to ask you, what's your next step? Take your next step. Wherever you are spiritually, if you're stuck, if you're at just complete standstill, put that sin in front of God and say, let him forgive you and begin walking again. If you don't know where to go next, I mean, you got saved a long time ago, but you haven't made any steps, man, take your next step. Maybe it's baptism, whatever that looks like. Just do something, okay? Jump into next steps in February so you can get a growth plan. But I want to encourage every single one of you to get into a group. Get into a group. You're like, I don't know how to do that. We're going to help you do that through group launch, all right? If you've never taken that first step of growing spiritually, which is, which is salvation, receiving forgiveness, receiving new life, today's your day. I want you to bow your head for a moment. Spiritual life, growing spiritually, that journey, it begins at the very moment that we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone and we receive salvation, deliverance from sin, deliverance from being lost, spiritually lost. And if you are at that place today, I want you to pray with me. It's in your heart. Say something like this. Lord, at this very moment, I want you to know that I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for rejecting you up to this point. But this moment, at this very moment, I want to say yes to your offer of salvation, your offer of deliverance, your offer of grace. And I want you to know, Jesus, you are the Son of God. And I'm sorry for my sin. And I put every bit of faith that I have in you. What you did on the cross, paying for my debt was enough. And so I received salvation into my life. And Lord, I want to not only have a home in heaven, but Lord, I want to know what it means to walk with you every day. So help me to have boldness to not just take this step, but to take the next step. Thank you. In Jesus' name, with head still bowed, if you just prayed that with me, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your get connect, get connected card out, fill it out, bring it up to the front, give it to me, give it to someone up here or take it to the help center. And then 
when we call you, when we connect with you, let us help you to take your next step. All right, Father, help all of us, wherever we are spiritually, to move to that next place where you want us to be. And Lord, help us not to stop until we either see Jesus face to face or you come and get us, Lord. I pray that you would help us today to be on that, that, that path that you've designed for us, each one of us individually and together because we truly are better together. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen.